0: Support us, support the show, and enjoy an ad-free listening experience. Waywardradio.org slash adfree. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett.
1: And I'm Martha Barnett. Sometimes I think there are two kinds of people in the world, the kind of people who come across an unfamiliar word in a text and they just keep reading, and then other people like me who can't resist looking it up. And I can't resist looking up these words because I find out all kinds of other interesting stuff besides what the author was talking about. Um, yesterday, I came across the word pagophilic. Do you know this word?
0: Philic, So philic probably meaning love of or liking. Yes, I don't know what pago
1: is. Pago, P-A-G-O comes from the Greek word for ice or frost. And so you can talk about pegaphilic animals like seals or certain kinds of birds. Okay, They're pegaphilic. So when
0: they get a cool rum drink, they want ice in it.
1: <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. But the fun part about that for me was that it sent me down this pagophilic rabbit hole where I also came across words like pegophagia.
0: People who eat ice? Yes, yes. Or the condition of eating ice?
1: Yes, yes. There there are people who eat ice compulsively, Mm -hmm. often because they have an iron deficiency. There are ice-chewing enthusiasts who have support groups online. Do they have
0: contests, like (laughs) conventions for ice-chewing? They
1: have have a bulletin board where they discuss the best kinds of ice machines and that kind of thing. Wow, really? Yeah, Vince Gill, the country music star, is a big ice chomper. <laughs> now, this is very bad that. for your teeth. Yeah. I'm not recommending it. But what I am recommending is looking up words that are unfamiliar to you when you're reading them in a text.
0: Now, on a Kindle or a, a smartphone, you can usually just hold down on the word that you don't know when you're reading mm-hmm. a book. And it will call up a dictionary and that helps you out. Mm-hmm. And, and doesn't really take you out of the narrative. But when you're reading a paper, particularly fiction, looking up a word means the the whole thing everything that the author has worked so hard to make you feel right. dissipates by the time you get back to the book
1: there is that problem isn't there yeah
0: so I, my strategy for this is i sometimes I do note cards mm-hmm. sometimes I just skip the word uh-huh. if the word keeps coming up obviously I look it up but it's hard maybe you do it at the end of the chapter or rather yeah, than write then on, then you on have the spot. To go back to the beginning
1: right. and it's challenging I do
0: have a strategy supposedly for marking words that I need to look up and there's a particular way i bend the bottom corner of a page of a books that I own Mm-hmm. depending on how far you bend it up and the little white space shows you how far up the page the word is to be found and usually hmm. I can re-find it with no trouble after I'm done with the book hmm. and you said sort of go back you look it up yeah. and you reread the context right. and then you get the word
1: Right Well how do you manage the problem of looking up words? Do you stop everything down and run to the dictionary or do you make a note or what do you do? Give us a call at 877-929-9673 or send your thoughts about reading and writing and language to words at waywardradio.org.
0: Hello, you have a way with words.
2: Hi, my name's Cassie, and I'm calling from Tallahassee.
0: Hi, Kathy. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, we're great here. Welcome to the show.
2: What can we do for you? Well, my question is about the phrase cease and desist. I want to know where it comes from and when it's appropriate to use, because whenever I looked up the words... They always just said the opposite of each other. So, like, when you looked up the word cease, it meant to stop, desist. Or when you looked up desist, it meant to stop, cease. So it kind of just sounds like you're saying stop and stop.
0: It's kind of like a new form of time travel, right? You just keep going into the dictionary loop. See Dictionary A. Yeah. See entry B. <laughs> yeah. And so what have you been doing wrong that you're getting letters from lawyers?
1: What? Good question.
0: <laughs> what have you Who's been doing? Who's telling you to cease and yeah. desist, Kathy? What, what kind of court orders oh. are
2: coming to your house? Hmm. <laughs> no, I, I first came across that phrase reading, I think it was a C.S. Lewis book as a kid. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm it kind of randomly pops up every now and then, mm-hmm. and it's become a pet peeve of mine because it just means stop and
1: stop. Uh-huh. Well, it's it's interesting because there is a slight difference in these two words. It's one of what we call legal doublets, and there are a lot of these in legal language, if you think about it, like will and testament, you know, or all uh-huh. and sundry, aid and abet, um, words that are very, very, very close together, and um, they sort of create this airtight Meaning, because if you think about cease and desist, I think what most um, attorneys would tell you is that that it means stop and don't ever do it again, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. And where cease oh, cease okay. alone means to quit something that you've been doing, mm-hmm. and desist, mean, des- desist means never start something up. Right. And so between the two, you're saying not only do we want you to stop. There is no period at which we want you to begin doing this activity.
1: Yes, and and for us lay people, they they do look the same, but um, but, but they're different shades. They of meaning believe there. on
0: in in law, they pile on the language mm-hmm. in order to make sure that nobody can quibble with a single word later.
2: Yeah, they love that legal ease.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> and some of
0: it has to do with interesting enough to the linguistic heritage that we share, mm-hmm. where some of it comes from the Anglo-Saxon heritage, and some of it comes from the, the French heritage or the Latin heritage. And so you kind of just want to make sure you're getting all your little nuances yeah. taken care of there.
1: Yeah, you'll have one term from each uh, mm-hmm. language. Oh, okay. So, If,
0: if you want to more of these kinds of things, Martha tipped you off. She said legal doublet, but more broadly, there are lexical doublets. There are a lot of words that we pair in English in an idiomatic way that work together like this. Aiden Abad is my favorite one.
2: Mm. I think cease and desist might be my favorite one
0: now. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, make it a favorite. It's better to be favorite than a peeve, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, now <laughs> you well, can. now I know, and I'll know how to use it properly. That's right. You're and you'll set. always think of us when you use it, right?
2: <laughs> I will.
0: Okay. All right. We'll never cease and never desist from being curious, all right? right.
3: <laughs> will do. You guys have a good one. Thank- okay. Thank Thanks, Kathy. Care, Kathy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: This is a show about words and language. We'll take your calls about speech, writing, Anything, 877-929-9673, or email words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words.
4: Hey, Martha, this is Steve, a uh, call from Louisville, Kentucky.
1: From Louisville, Miles Stomping Ground. How you doing, Steve?
4: Not too bad. I was uh, calling about a phrase that I've I've modified, and, and thanks to your all show, I, uh, I now have to find the origin to it. <laughs> but okay. But I, I always use the word pipe up and pipe down. Pipe Down is the one I kind of grew up with. Uh, I used Pipe Up as a, uh, uh, when I'm talking to my nine-year-old on a baseball field rather than, than man up or quit being a baby, I, I used Pipe Up.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And my knee-jerk reaction was, uh, and I, it was very elementary, but it was Mario Brothers. And I, I turned that around. And I said, no, that, that can't be right. I thought more about it. And I'm thinking it's some kind of work whistle or a no. bell, like a lunch bell or no. something mm-hmm. of that nature.
0: Your, mm-hmm. your instincts are good. You're getting close. Very good, yes, Steve. That's pretty much it. Only think nautical. You know, um oh, not, not naughty, nautical. <laughs> yeah, it's nautical, not naughty. It comes from the bosun's whistle aboard a ship. You've probably seen this on Star Trek where when the captain comes to the bridge, there's a whistle sound. Well, this comes from the nautical tradition where there's always a signal when certain things happen, when shifts change, or when the captain wants a certain thing done, or when it's time for people to move to new duties, and when it's time to end the day or the primary responsibilities of the day, they have the pipe down. The bosun blows the pipe down whistle.
4: And did that just, that just evolved to where we use it to tell kids it's time for bed? I mean, <laughs> I guess that the, the phrase pipe down, I, I, it had to be a, a sound. So I guess that's just kind of how it evolved. That's, that's, that's
0: pretty cool. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. We well think about you know we're not very much a nautical world at this point. I mean, there's tons of ships at sea, but it's not core to how we get around. But there was a time in the world where you probably would have been much more familiar with ships, and and as a boy, read a lot of seafaring, rip roaring tales, and maybe looked up to sea captains and people who went to foreign countries aboard ships, and this kind of narrative of the the pipe and the customs aboard the. The the ships was probably a lot more common. That's my guess.
4: Uh, that, that's that's excellent. I I'm very glad that you are able to answer my question there. Thanks, guys.
0: Yeah. Take care. Thanks. Appreciate it, Steve.
1: Thanks for calling, Steve. Bye bye. Eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. Hello. You have a way with words. Hi. Hi. Who's this? I- This is Elizabeth calling. Hello, Elizabeth. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Indianapolis.
6: Right on. Circle City. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Well, I was calling because I um, have been doing some historical research, and um, in the course of looking at a paper, my eye fell on another article that used an expression that I thought was odd, Um, and it was um, rushing the can. Um, It was a, a story about a woman who... Uh, was behaving drunk and disorderly and kicking garbage cans down the street. At the end of the article, the policeman was joking, I think, in the article, that um, he didn't know whether he should arrest her for drunk and disorderly behavior or for rushing the can, which was probably in quotes.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
6: -hmm. Um, So that was my question. Um, I looked around and saw it in a couple of other articles as well.
0: She was kicking cans down the street?
6: Um, well, that was, that was the, the story was that she was um, knocking over garbage cans and rolling them into the river. Um, mm-hmm. This was in Kansas City. Wow. Uh, really was, in her cups. When huh? was this article run? <laughs> it was um, 1897. Oh,
0: 1897. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And this was a big thing in the late 1880s. It came up in New York City where they had new liquor laws in place, and people discovered a loophole, which was since you weren't actually allowed to buy alcohol, What you would do is you'd send your kid down to the bar to get it filled, and the kid would bring it back to you. So you weren't actually buying it, and you weren't actually drinking it in a bar. And the bar technically wasn't open, and there was a lot of different caveats on this and kind of weirdness. And the kid would bring you back the beer. And there was like a standard size for a while. And then people realized, well, they could just increase the size of this growler, the vessel, and Uh still get the same... They pay the same price and get more beer, twice as much or three times as much beer. And apparently this was a source of much drunkenness on Sundays and uh, fights and gang activity and different kinds Ah. of mischief got up to. And eventually growlers were banned altogether in New York City because they seemed to contribute to the, you know, you had people not working on Sunday, doing a lot of drinking and running around town causing mischief. Now, why it's called rushing, we don't really know, but it, presumably you'd send the kid, the kid down kid to at hurry. top speed. Yeah. <laughs> and why the vessel's called a growler, we don't know either. There's one newspaper article from 1883 turned up by uh, Barry Poppick, a, a word researcher, that suggests that it had something to do with the sound of the, the can. It was made out of metal usually mm-hmm. kind of sliding across the rough surface of a bar top, kind of making as it goes. Yeah, But exactly. that's, that might be made up we don't really yeah. know. There's no real substantiation for that. Uh, uh-huh. Chasing the dock was another term for it. Chasing the duck. Chasing the duck. Yeah. Rush the growler, rush the can, chase the can, chase the duck. Lots of different terms for it. Yeah, huh. I see. Anyway, I, I'm not a drinker, so it was just kind <laughs> of <a> good thing. <laughs> cool. Thank you for the call, though. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks, Bye-bye. Elizabeth.
1: Bye-bye. Call us with your language questions, 877-929-9673, or send them an email to words at waywardradio.org. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Looking at an old book of Proverbs the other day and came across one that you might appreciate, Grant. It goes, Wedlock is a padlock.
0: Wedlock is a padlock.
1: Yeah. At first I thought, well, that's negative. And then I thought, well, maybe it's positive.
0: Right. Because it's supposed to be about the permanent union, right? Yes, yeah. Exactly. You're supposed to be committed. Exactly. That's the whole idea. Right, when commitment yeah. means something.
1: Yeah. yeah. Wedlock is a padlock.
0: Give us a call, 877 929 9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. It's the bouncy house for the nerds with words, stay tuned. a minute. We need your help.
1: Head over to gum.fm slash words and share your thoughts in our quick survey.
0: Your feedback matters. It's the backbone of our show's success.
1: Thanks for making our show even more
0: successful. That's gum.fm slash w-o-r-d-s. Thank you.
1: You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Martha Barnett.
0: And I'm Grant Barrett. And here he is, that masked man, John Chinesky, our quiz guy. Hey, John. John, take off a mask. Hello, Martha. And How are
7: the It's much easier to do the quiz without yeah, the mask. It
0: really sweaty. is. I take it that you have a quiz for us today?
7: I do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I call it definitely cryptic because we're going to talk about cryptic clues okay. as we sometimes do. And then we're talking about charade cryptic clues. We've discussed those. They involve cluing two words that combine to form the answer like disk and over to make discover but some charade-like clues, uh, they outright give you a letter to add, like T and his to make this, right? Okay. okay. Now, the letter we're working with today is just A, just a definite article. This definite article be, can be used to make a cryptic clue. For instance, A fight can be about.
5: Ah, oh. there we go. Right? Okay. Okay. Right. So I'll
7: give you two clues. It's kind of kind of run together. One is a definition of the answer. And the other clue is a noun that if you add the definite article, makes the answer.
1: Okay. And do you add the definite article to the beginning?
7: To so the beginning. Always to the beginning okay. of, the, of, the, of the, the noun, right. All For right. example, if I said profit once more, that would clue the word... Again. Again. A, yes. Again. Very good. Now, sometimes the clue has two words. Sometimes the uh, the definition has two words, but we'll, we'll deal with All that when we All right. Let's get, see there. how it goes. Okay. Here we go. Oak seed maize... A corn, a corn. Yes, very oh, corn good. Rain. A and then the maize is corn, and the oak seed is acorn. Oh, Nicely is that done.
1: kind of maize? I was yeah. you Can't imagine what I was picturing just now.
7: I was I was tricky right out of the gate, and you I appreciate Frank okay. picking up on that. Very nice. How about glass container slightly open? A jar. A jar. Nice. A jar. Good. Expel lacking rain.
0: Oh, so dry. A
7: dry a drought. A
0: dusty. Uh,
1: a desert, uh, lacking rain. Yeah.
7: What's a word that it describes a desert?
1: Arid? Uh, arid? Ooh. Oh,
7: arid. Arid. Arid, nice. oh, ar- yes. oh,
1: arid, okay.
7: Nicely done. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you get it accidentally. unconscious did the word. Yeah. It wasn't That's an accident. Right. Just the mm-hmm. conscious wasn't involved.
1: That's right. Mind <laughs> like okay. water.
7: Try this one. <laughs> Climb odor. Climb, um. Ascent. Yes. good. Ascent. Nice. Tiny part male cat. Adam. Adam. Oh, a Tom. Got it. Martha's in the groove. She's got her eyes closed. She's all clenched up here. (laughs) All
0: clenched up. She's just a floating (laughs) presence in the studio.
7: (laughs) How about hospital section trophy?
0: Hospital section trophy. Award. Award, yes. Very good.
7: Finally... You old nautical agreement.
0: I <laughs> I that's correct. A and E. <laughs>
1: John, you get an A for this quiz. Thanks, John. Oh, thank you. That's so great. And
0: a and a gold star. If I could top and an, her. An a-ward. <laughs> A correct. award. An A yeah. award. Thanks, John. We'll talk to
7: you next week. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, Martha. See you next week. All right. Bye-bye.
1: bye-bye. And if you want to talk about language with us, the number to call is 877-929-9673. We're also taking your emails at words at waywardradio.org.
0: Hello. You have a way with words. Hello. This is Sigrin Newell. Hi, Sigrin. How are you?
8: Hi, Sigrun. I'm good, thank you. Where Hello, you call- Martha.
0: Oh. Where are you calling from?
8: I'm calling from Albany, New York.
0: Well, welcome to the show. How can we help
8: Well, recently I read an article in Archeology span magazine that uh, discusses the recovery of a 2,000-year-old shipwreck off the coast of Sri Lanka. It seems as though ever since then that island nation has been an important way station for shipping between India and China. People always went by um, Sri Lanka in order to uh, refill their ships and uh, pick up products to sell Mm -hmm. and so forth. Uh, it's been so important that there's more than half a dozen different names for the place. And it turns out that our word serendipity comes from the Arabic name for the island, which was serendip. And so my question is, what other common words have ancient geographical places hidden in them?
0: Yeah, serendipity is one of those classic toponyms, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It comes from a, a Persian fairy tale, as I recall. Right, although the
0: the meaning kind of transformed over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we use serendipity to mean um, something happens fortuitously. Mm-hmm. We weren't expecting it, but there it is when we need it.
1: Yeah, so interesting. So so you're talking about ancient places buried in modern English words. Right. Do you have any in mind, Sigrun? Not really. I wondered about Shangri-La.
8: Uh-huh. which we use now is more than just the place of Shangri-La, the, you know, the geographical place. We use uh-huh. more to mean a,
0: a place of beauty and wonderful. It's mm-hmm. yeah. true. We talk um, about Eden the same way, Garden of Eden the yeah,
1: same way. Yeah, I think yeah. Shangri-La is yeah. a little bit more recent, But isn't we can it?
0: go into the language to words that are opaque. Sure. The etymology is invisible to you when you use them or read them.
1: Sure. Well, I can think of a, of a couple off the top of my head, certainly Olympics, you know, from, from Mount Olympus. Um, and I think of laconic, uh, which has to do with the, uh, the area around Sparta where there were people who lived who were, who were very short and brief in their speech. So laconic would be one.
0: There's a, the word peach as in the fruit ultimately Mm -hmm. comes from a word meaning Persia. Mm -hmm. Um, and bungalow comes from Mm -hmm. a word meaning of Bengal. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. a direct borrowing from the... From Hindi into English. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, and then there's um, there's Sardonic. Oh, nice. Yeah, that has to do with um, in Sardinia there was supposedly a weed. I, I remember this from studying ancient Greek. There was a weed that um, that people would eat, like a, a plant, and it would cause them to smile. It, it just created this rictus in oh, their face. You know, like yeah. their their face would tense up, and and it would look like they had this real weird
0: smile. Yeah. Well, there's another one from Sardinia as well. Sardines. Sardines so oh, are hello. named after that. Yeah. Okay, so there's very two from good. that place. Okay.
1: food words, cur- currants, oh, you know? Oh, nice. Like currants, like like raisin type currants are, are from Corinth.
0: Hmm. I mean, we can go all day because on this, Because was
1: a port city where they <laughs> where they uh, Oh, yeah.
0: uh, here's a food word for you, java. We call it coffee Java sometimes. It's from the Indonesian island of Java. Yeah, lots of foods. You're plugging into this larger theme, which is really a key part of this show, which is like it seems so modern and current to speak English. And yet every time we open our mouths or start to work on a keyboard and put words to a page, we are expressing history. It just pours out of us. And we don't even know it half the time or most of the time. Have no idea that this word and that word a thousand years, ten thousand years, five hundred years.
1: Yes. Well said, Grant. History is flying out of your mouth every day.
0: So Sigrin, you've you got us off on a roll here.
1: <laughs> I hope this call well, was yeah, serendipitous, right?
8: <laughs> That's true. A fine serendipitous call.
1: Well, thanks a lot for calling, Sigrin.
8: And thanks for all the ways you have improved my vocabulary and my world.
0: Oh, Oh, thank you so much. Thanks thanks. for listening. That
1: means a lot. Take
0: care now. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Sigrin. This is a show about what we say and how we say it. Give us a call, 877-929-9673, or put it in an email to words at waywardradio.org.
5: Hello, you have a way with words. Hello. Uh, my name is Clay. I'm calling from Dallas, Texas.
1: Hello, Clay. You sound like you're standing next to me.
0: Wow, yeah, amazing line quality. <laughs> Thank
5: you.
1: What's going on?
5: <laughs> a little backstory: I am uh, a theater teacher at a private high school or a private school here in uh, Dallas for kids with learning differences. We were uh, reading a script of the play Harvey and kind of to get them in the mood for that uh, lesson, we watched the old 1950 movie with uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and ran across an interesting line from the movie. It wasn't in the script. There's a, uh, at one point in the movie, there's a tussle at a, in a bar. Bartender helps break it up. And he says, one more word out of you, Weisenheimer, and I'll butter your necktie. <laughs> I went.
0: All right. Butter your Butter your necktie. Your
5: necktie. I got really into finding out where that came from and I I looked on the internet some and and just couldn't find anything other than references to the movie. Uh-huh. And so I was curious as to, you know, where it came from. Did the uh uh screenwriter you know just make it up or does it have any kind of regional origins or Something like that.
1: Interesting. And did it sound threatening or not?
0: Yeah, did you feel like uh, that well, he was it, it going was to kill the guy? Comically threatening.
1: Comically threatening. Mm?
0: Did you feel like he was going mm-hmm. to kill the guy or just hurt him? I'm thinking rough him up. Okay. Okay. Mm. This is okay. important, yeah. I think. And now the line is in the movie, but it isn't is it in the play?
5: No. It's not, it's in, not the in the play. It's not in the play. Are you mm-hmm. sure? I'm pretty sure because okay. they never go to a bar. Okay.
0: I think you're right. I think we've got a great screenwriter here who just knows the language and loves to spin a phrase. So whoever mm-hmm. it was, congratulations, because that's a great line. <laughs> and uh, if you Google it, it, it turns out it's on like a million like best insults ever or best threats ever lists. <laughs> if it didn't look like he was going to kill him, I think he may have actually meant that he was going to take a butter knife and butter the guy's necktie and shove it down his throat and that's his threat. That's what he's saying by butter your butter your ah, necktie that oh. he would actually do it and just shove the thing mm-hmm. right down with his fist.
5: You you just kind of reminded me of it just a flash in my brain of either an old Three Stooges or an old cartoon I remember seeing as a kid where that actually was depicted. You know oh, really? what?
0: I think you're I'm, right and it got mm-hmm, was it I'm, the necktie ended up in the sandwich and they ate the sandwich? Oh, yeah, I think I yeah. saw that one. Oh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Three people with a vague memory of something that may or may not have happened. That's our show. That's our show.
1: (laughs) Well, I wasn't even thinking of that. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but it sounds like this sort of comically pathetic threat. Um, Um, You know, I'm going to butter your necktie like like so what how threatening is that right. you know that's that's the most milk toasty thread gonna,
0: i've ever heard i'm going to blunt every pencil in the house ha <laughs> take that
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's what i'm thinking so so i guess the point is that we don't see it much of any place else besides no. that mm-hmm. movie or references it, to that movie and it really? has
0: been borrowed by novelists usually of no great reputation, but it has been borrowed by novelists in a variety of different contexts. If you go to Google Books, you'll find it.
5: But most of them oh, are like okay. last 10
0: or 15 years or so.
1: Well, Clay, good luck with the production.
0: Oh, thank
5: you so much. And good We're luck with the kids. Fun, and I want to say you've got a lot of fans here. Because... Yay!
0: Oh, yay! We, we <laughs> you're doing the real work, buddy. You're doing the hard work there. It sounds like you're working with kids who need a lot of extra help, and you you may just be the guy to do it. Best of luck to you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you're teaching kids... That's hard work. You're doing work that I don't know that I'd be capable of doing. I stand in front of a microphone and spout off my mouth for an hour. (laughs) But that guy in the classroom, he's doing it. Teachers are our heroes.
1: Teachers, librarians, We know we have a lot
0: of teachers and librarians listening to the show. If there's something that's come up in your work, maybe a question your students had or a customer wanted to know something, um, give us a call. Tell us about it, 877-929-9673 or email words at waywardradio.org.
1: Grant, remember we were talking about Georgia baths and yeah. bird baths. Yeah, so these are these are quick
0: baths just yep. to get the basics done without lingering.
1: Exactly. We heard from David Magliaro, who says my late and much beloved grandmother referred to this type of quick bath as swabbing the vittles. <laughs> He said she was born in 1898 and grew up in Glasgow, Scotland.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: it's spelled like vitals, but it's pronounced vittles. Swabbing the vittles. Swabbing the vittles. (laughs) That's all you got to do. Throughout all of human
0: history, that brief bath must have always been a thing, right? Right. (laughs) 877 929 9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. And we have all of our past episodes available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Hi, you have a way with words.
1: Hi,
2: my name's Sarah from Dallas. Hiya, Sarah from Dallas. What's up? Um, So I have a question. Um, My boyfriend is from Russia, and we have this debate going. Um, He thinks that the word preheat or preheated is incorrect. Um, when you're talking about, like, preheating an oven, mm. um, in recipe directions, he feels that um, you can't heat something before you heat it. You sh- the directions <laughs> should just say, heat your oven um, okay. to whatever temperature. Okay. Um, and I have told him that I feel like it's, you know, they're telling you to do it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But he feels like if it's directions and it's the first direction, then that should be the first thing you do.
1: So he's saying that Russian doesn't have an equivalent of preheat, is that right?
2: Um, I don't think so. I think that he just feels like the the pre- the prefix pre is is unnecessary oh, okay. and 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 incorrect.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm going to take uh, and I su- I assume that you're not agreeing with him.
2: No, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. So we have this debate going because I feel like it's telling you to do it ahead of time. So oh. you you get free.
1: Yeah. So what's on the line and, and is one of you baking something for the other?
2: <laughs> um, no, it's just uh it's just a who's right. And I'm going to go see him uh, this weekend in russia and oh, i'll nice. be able to to tell him that i was right
0: <laughs> you will be oh. cuz you are right you're 100% right <laughs> the problem that he's got it is he is breaking the word down into its components of pre and heat and assuming that when we talk about pre meaning before it means before heating but it doesn't if you if you actually reverse those words and think about it as heating before we are heating before we do something else Mm -hmm. the pre and the heat go together they form a single word with a single concrete idea he can reanalyze the component parts all that he wants but it doesn't change the meaning we see this also in prepay prepay works the same way it doesn't mean that we're paying before we're paying it means we're paying in advance of something else we also have it in pre-plan we Mm -hmm. took the a call about this a while back on Mm -hmm. the show when you pre-plan you're planning before you do something else you're not planning before you're planning so that's how english works that's the morphology of english he's not really going to change that but he can try to spoon the ocean uh, as much as he wants he's just not going to (coughs) get anywhere
2: all right, well, that's kind of what I thought. But but the so what you're saying, though, is it's one whole
0: word. It's, so it's, yeah. it's, you yeah. really
1: can't break it down. Yeah, it's one whole word, and, and it relates to what you do before you put the food in. Yeah. Right, before right. you put something right. in the
0: oven. Yeah, you're preheating it. Because here's the problem with his argument. Let's just say that he's right, and he goes ahead and he makes, in, he makes a recipe, and he says, heat the oven to 400. He's going to have a world full of cooks and chefs and, and folks who are going, wait a second. Do I put the casserole in and then heat it up to 400 Mm -hmm. or do I heat it up in advance to 400? And so when you say preheat, you remove that question completely from people's minds. So
2: it's becoming more specific. Very specific, yeah. Because in his mind,
0: the recipe goes in order, but, but that's, that's true. That, that would be a question.
2: Well, Sarah, say. how much does he cook? Yeah, there we go. That's a good question. Ah, uh, He doesn't. Okay. He's a man.
0: Ding, ding, There ding, we go. Ding,
1: bingo. Uh, okay. I
0: cook quite a bit, and you can tell your boyfriend also, <laughs> if he is only doing things in order, he's got a problem. There are a lot of things happening at once. The oven is heating. The jello is setting. The ice is hardening. True. Whatever. All of this stuff happens at once before you get to the final moment where everything shows up on the table.
2: Well, then I am glad that I'm right. I'm going to tell him all about it, <laughs> and then we'll move on to the next language argument, and it'll be
0: great. Sarah, okay. I want you to email us or call us again and tell us how it went, and let us know if he wants to talk to us because we really want to get his perspective on this too. Okay, uh, directly I, from the horse's I mind.
2: have a feeling he'll have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Wait. definitely email. You. Strong-willed
0: right. people are good partners, but, boy, they're a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks, All Sarah. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks,
1: Sarah. Bye-bye. Bye. So we'd love to solve your relationship problems. Just call us, if it's about language, 877-929-9673, or send it an email to words at waywardradio.org. <laughs> heard this expression grant i'm not as green as i am cabbage looking (laughs) no (laughs) it's like if you acted as if i were really inexperienced or naive or something Mm -hmm. i would say to you i'm not as green as i am cabbage looking that is maybe i look like a cabbage but i'm not you know i didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday right
0: gotcha (laughs) okay so you're not green even though you might seem green. yeah
1: it's an old expression that seems to come from yorkshire I'm not so green as I am cabbage looking.
0: (laughs) Which is funny right (laughs) off the bat. (laughs)
1: Right. (laughs) 877-929-9673.
0: More of your questions and calls about what we say, how we say it, and why. Stay tuned. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett.
1: And I'm Martha Barnett. And I have a problem when it comes to communicating. Uh-oh. I don't like to talk on the phone except to our listeners. Right. But otherwise, I prefer text and email. Okay. I have another friend who only talks on the phone. She won't even get oh, on the yeah, Internet. yeah, my parents. My right? parents, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. I have another friend who sends me stickers in Facebook Messenger all yeah. the time. Uh-huh. I have another friend who uses Instagram, and I'm still finding my way around on <laughs> right. that. Uh, I have another friend who, who texts all the time, and, and it's hard to get them together. Another friend who, who only invites me to things on evite and never uses email otherwise right. it's just and then it's the friend nuts. who's only
0: uses emoji or like half the message is emoji which i'm totally on board with but i can't interpret this stuff what does the pizza mean i'm buying new pizza or you had a pizza delivered or that you're feeling
1: hot today yeah yeah we've got this multiplicity of platforms that should be making our lives right. easier but it comes down to a certain
0: incompatibility there's nothing quite as universal still is the Postal Service, but you can't count on the Postal Service either. Yeah, and or who, a face-to-face conversation. And who has everyone's address anymore, right? Oh, I don't know anybody's address. There we I don't go. know anybody's phone number. So to reach people, let's say that you are throwing a party, you mm-hmm. have to do a Facebook event. You have mm-hmm. to set up an Evite event. Mm-hmm. You have to send out Twitter reminders, Facebook reminders, yeah. email reminders, and a few people. You have to go down to their place of work and wait for them to come out of the building. <laughs> Because there's no other way to reach them. Bob, how are you? I'm having a party. Here's the invite. See you then.
1: Right. I mean, I feel like I need somebody to manage all of these right. things.
0: Wouldn't a universal inbox be wonderful? Yes. Yes. And we're not quite there that? yet. There no, are some we're people have tried it, but they always leave out some essential service or they make it where you can't archive. Like the thing that drives me crazy about Snapchat, yeah. which is totally fine. You yeah. can totally I don't care what you do with Snapchat is that it does disappear. I want history. I want to remember what you said 10 minutes from now because I probably won't.
1: Right, right. The picture just disappears (laughs) after five seconds, right? Yeah.
0: So this communications incompatibility is not intergenerational. It's like everybody's got their thing. Yes. People in their 50s and 60s have their one thing they will or won't do. Um, And God help us for the people who are still on uh, AOL instant messenger. Because <laughs> I don't know who's talking oh, is to that them anymore. talking
1: So, all this communications technology that was supposed to make yeah. it easier is making it harder.
0: Well, it's making it easier to reach more people, but you got to master more methods of reaching people. Yeah. I'm just going back to Usenet. I'm done with the rest of this. I'm just going to go back to the news groups. Catch me in alt.folklore, okay?
1: Maybe we should spend more time <laughs> offline. What about that?
0: Uh, you do a lot of hiking. I do. I'm going to start going to the beach. That's <laughs> <Okay>. a deal. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. We'd love to hear about the difficulties you have in this modern world where it seems like there are more ways to reach people, and yet it also seems like it's harder than ever. 877 929 9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words.
3: Hi there. This is Beth. I'm calling from Woodstock, Vermont. Excellent. Well, welcome to the
1: show. How can we help you?
3: Well, my mom was from Baltimore and moved to New England with my dad when they got married. And when I was young, and she's no longer around, so I can't ask her, when she didn't want me to know something or see something, or or she'd hide something, you know, Christmas presents or other things, she'd call them lay lows for meddlers.
0: Lay lows for meddlers! Mm-hmm. If I had a bell, I would ring it. What did this mean to you? Did you understand what she was up to?
3: Well, uh, no, I, no, I knew I wasn't supposed to... To look or know. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I've always wondered about it. Where did it come from?
1: Very interesting, Beth. And did that keep you from asking more questions? It did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it sounds so, I don't know, specific and so ominous, right? Yes. This expression has a very long tradition, and it is in so many different forms. And I think the the classic one is layovers to catch meddlers.
0: Layovers to catch meddlers, like M-E-D-D-L-E-R. Yeah. People who meddle, who interfere. Yes.
1: But what in the heck it means, nobody really knows. (laughs) It's just one of those things that parents tell their children to keep them from asking more questions. And we
0: have a bunch of those, right? We have
1: a bunch. Well, yeah, like I'm sewing buttons on ice cream when you ask, when the Yeah, have you heard that one? I've never heard that. (laughs) I'm sewing buttons on ice cream, or I'm making a whim-wham for a goose's bridle, and it's just supposed to sort of shoo the children away, right? What's the
0: one about the rabbit fur or something like that? Oh, oh, okay.
1: Well, sometimes if you say, "What's that for?" Yeah. Then the parent will say, that's cat's for to make a kitten's britches or something something like that. that. Yeah, but um, layovers to catch meddlers, or or what was your version of it again, Beth? My mom would say lay lows for meddlers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the variations. And um, you see this expression mostly in the South and South Midlands, but it does make it up to, to Baltimore.
0: And the, what's really interesting, yes, Baltimore with its strong Southern heritage. Baltimore, yeah, definitely. Places. Yeah. There's what's interesting. All, a lot of these variations show that this expression clearly has been transmitted orally. Mm-hmm. It's at the classic signs of oral corruption, so to speak. Um, oral transmission is really imperfect uh, as opposed to written transmission. Mm-hmm. So, wide variety of complete misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. So, but they all have the same purpose. Deflect the kid's interest, get them to stop bothering you, you know, make them walk away.
1: Right. But as far as we know, I mean, th- that expression is meaningless, right? I mean, yeah. layovers to catch meddlers yeah, or lay-lows. That's the point, Yeah. yeah.
3: Okay. A meaningless saying.
0: Yep.
1: Okay. Yes. A handy term.
3: <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity to ask you guys. Well, thank because you. Because I much love for listening to Beth. you. Oh right. thank you very much.
1: Well well we welcome your questions.
3: <laughs> well, thank you so much. <laughs> bye bye. All
1: right. Bye, bye, bye now. Beth. Well, what are the words and phrases that you heard growing up that you wonder about still today? Call us, 877-929-9673, or send them an email to words at waywardradio.org.
0: Here's a new word for you. Yeah. invasivevore.
1: Invasive.
0: Invasivore is someone who eats invasive species. Oh. <laughs> so you've got all these plants from elsewhere around the world that are like pushing out native species. Okay. And instead of just tearing them out, you tear them out and you eat them.
1: Oh, okay. So like sauteed kudzu? Or... Yeah,
0: I guess. A kudzu apparently is edible. I don't Is it? I think I would feed it to the pigs, Ooh. but you can find out more about this at invasivore.org.
1: Invasivore.
0: Send us your new words send your questions about words and language, tell us something funny. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org.
1: Hello, you have a way with words.
0: Hi, uh,
9: this is Maui. i from Addison, Texas. Maui? Well, my real name is Dag Maui, but I go by Maui. It's easier for everybody involved.
0: Okay. Welcome to the show, Maui. How can we help? Well,
9: um, I initially moved from Ethiopia to California uh, when I was 12, and uh, after spending a couple years in a small Catholic school, I went to the big public high school, and I heard this slang term that really caught me off guard, and uh, which is um, catch my fade. And from the context I got, that that kind of means, like, come fight me, or let's get in a fight. And I kind of forgot about it until a couple of weeks ago, I heard uh, you uh, talk about some slang words, and I thought uh, you might enjoy this term.
0: Catch my fade. So what's happening when this term is used? You're at school, maybe between classes, and some guys are getting into it?
9: Well, first I heard somebody say, oh, I caught his fade. Then um, along, like, in the next few months, like, whenever somebody's pushing and shoving or that uh, high-fueled area, they'll say, catch my fade, and they'll probably use some explosives as well thrown in.
0: That's kind of Mm -hmm. like we used to say in my area, which is, like, bring it or step two, right? Okay. Which are basically challenging them to a fight. Yeah, basically.
1: Mm. Do you know that one, Grace? I have
0: heard that one, yeah. Yeah, It's fairly widespread. It's a little old-fashioned now. I definitely would date it to the 1990s or the 2000s. Um, I've seen it come okay. up in slang collected in California. I'm not surprised to find it elsewhere, though. Hmm. And it shows up in a few dictionaries. What's really interesting to me, though, and you're going to love this, Maui, is it may have a hundred-year-old history. Wow. Yeah. There's, so this there's, oh, wow. there's this old verb meaning to fade, and it dates from, say, the late 1800s, 1890s even. And I got this from Green's Dictionary of Slang. There's a really nice entry there. It means to put somebody at a disadvantage. And it's usually in these similar contexts. They say in gambling or boxing or in a street altercation or some kind of verbal argument. If I fade you, it means that I put you down or I I diminish you, I, Mm -hmm. I, I, I punish you, or I beat you. I conquer you. Okay. And so I would not be surprised to find that if we could dig it out, Catch My Fade has some tenuous connection to this older slang form.
6: Hmm.
9: Yeah, it was really interesting because uh, I asked my friends in the neighboring counties, and they were never, or my cousins were ever in, like, Orange County, and they didn't hear about it. And it was only in just Pasadena, which where I went to high school, that mm-hmm. I heard about it. And mm-hmm. here in Texas, I haven't came across it at all, and that's quite interesting.
0: Oh, so you didn't find it in Texas? No. Okay.
9: But again, I, mean, I was... Well, again, I didn't go to high school, and I wasn't in that environment here because I came here to go to college, and then I started working. So mm-hmm. I wasn't with a lot of teenagers that are, uh, have a, a whole bunch of hormones running around. So <laughs> I might be here, but I
0: So Maui, I have a question that I think might help us uncover a little bit of other slang connected to this. When you were in high school and somebody tricked somebody else or made them look the fool, did you guys ever go faded or moated or anything like that? No, because uh, the term
9: "faded" was
0: reserved in high school for when
9: you're intoxicated, okay, primarily great. with marijuana. That, that's when somebody that, okay. that's that that's why like, it was such a, a hard thing to come like to try to figure out because oh. "faded" was never associated with fighting. in the other term, just in that instant when you say "catch my fade" or
0: "gotcha," he caught my yep. fade. Or whatever. now I'm that just, uses yeah. that use of being faded meaning to be drunk or high. It is was fairly common, but there were parts of California in particular where I grew up in Missouri saying psych, but in California yeah, they would say "moded" or they would yeah. say faded. Faded was yeah. far okay. less common, but I do have some reports of that.
1: Well, Maui, thank you for sharing this slang with us.
0: Super cool, dude. Oh, Appreciate thank you very it. very much. All right. Take care. Uh, thanks. Thanks. thanks for calling. Bye. Bye-bye. Good stuff. Yeah. Really, really good we stuff. We love
1: these first-hand reports. Of
0: yeah, and, and, and it changes. I wonder mm-hmm. if high schoolers today are using Catch My Fade in the same way. Let us know. Because it's been just long yep. enough since he was in high school yep. that it could completely yep. be gone now.
1: Or are there adults who are holding on to it from their <laughs> high school years?
0: Yeah, I don't think it works in PowerPoints <laughs> like it does in the hallways next, next to the gym. <laughs> Let's find
1: out. I think that's a special effect in PowerPoint.
0: 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.com org.
1: asked you to send in your examples of your own laws, like Murphy's Law. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine was something about uh, if you change lanes in your car, then the other lane is going to go faster. (laughs) We heard from Joshua Racklin, who is a proofreader for an academic publisher. And he says he believes he's uncovered a rule that many textbook authors follow. And so this is Racklin's rule. In the course of composing textual content for scholarly purposes care must be taken to always utilize the absolute largest number of words possible in the process of conveying any specific piece of factual information in addition thesaurizing is a valuable component to any and every academic writing process such that the author can ensure that verbiage containing the largest syllabic count conceivable is employed <laughs>
0: His point is well made
1: (laughs) Joshua, we feel your pain (laughs) (laughs) Sorry,
0: bud, I apologize for all of academia (laughs) If you've got a rule or a law that you want to name after yourself Give us a call, 877-929-9673 Or tell us about it in an email to words at waywardradio.org Hello, you have a way with words
10: Hello, this is Sarah Sternant. I am calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania
0: Welcome to the program Hi, Sarah What's on your mind?
10: Um, so, um, I thought about you when I was considering my mom. My mom grew up in um, southern Ohio, and whenever she um, encountered some food that she thought might be sort of going bad or spoiling, she'd say, this is Blinky. And um, we were all together staying at a beach house uh, in North Carolina once, and um she said that, and the whole place bust out in and, and laughter. No one had ever heard that. Maybe we heard it's on the blink, but the idea of blinky just seemed really funny. And um, that's one of the ways we remember my mom is via that word. Oh. So I thought I'd ask you about it.
1: <laughs> so what exactly was blinky? Was it milk or? Uh, um, actually, it was
10: the pimento um, cheese spread that she was oh. making. P- pimento
0: <laughs> cheese spread smells blinky even when it's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you're right.
10: And for her to even, and for my mother to even be concerned that something was Blinky is amazing because she'd practically eat anything. You'd have to have mold growing on it. But she smelled that and said, I think this is Blinky.
0: <laughs> On the Blink isn't that far from Blinky, right? (laughs) Well, no, I
1: guess not.
0: I think everyone would understand Blinky if you already knew On the Blink. But why are we blinking at food?
1: Well, exactly. I mean, the way it was explained to me when I was younger was that if if you're opening up a, a... a carton of milk and you're smelling it and holding it up to your face, you're going to start blinking. Um, <laughs> your eyes will start watering, yeah, tearing
0: up. <laughs>
1: yeah. However, that is a folk etymology. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the actual etymology seems to have something to do with the idea of blink meaning to turn sour, like like uh, sour milk, uh, from the idea of sort of the evil eye, you know, exercising an evil influence or bewitching the milk. You know, You know, something's afoot. Somebody made that milk turn sour. The devil
0: has cast his stern gaze upon my meal.
1: Upon my pimento cheese. (laughs) Upon my pimento
0: (laughs) cheese. (laughs) And (laughs) turned it (laughs) blinky.
10: And the pimento cheese is so important at the beach house, you know. Oh, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. That's close to a crisis, isn't it? <laughs> if you're down to yeah, the well, pimento that's cheese... that's a very
10: Southern Ohio <laughs> thing to have, um, and so when we all get together, um, mm-hmm. you know, all of the children have all spread around, mm-hmm. but, you know, coming back together, that's the thing that you eat that is very reminiscent of my mom and of, of Southern Ohio.
1: Oh, really? Pimento cheese. Yeah. I, so you had to eat a lot more beef and noodles then? Um uh, I beef and noodles is not a thing that has oh, roots really? in oh, Okay. No. Okay. All right. I th- I so, thought that was an Ohio thing. So you
0: let the pimento loaf sit out all day and then at dinner time you, you <laughs> no, raise it's not, Everyone raises it's not, a slice to mom and says, "Here's to Blinky." It's
10: not pimento loaf. Oh, okay. It's it's like cheddar cheese with pimentos yep. and God only knows what else made into a dip that you eat on saltine. Yep. Oh, yep. yep.
0: Okay. Yep. Apparently, they didn't make yeah. it across the Mississippi to my part of Missouri. Oh,
1: my gosh. And the <laughs> color. The color is amazing. It's like the color of a, I don't know, a Howard Johnson's roof or something. You know, a <laughs> <laughs> highway construction <It> cone.
10: <laughs> well, it depends on the cheese, but it can be really vivid, yeah. yes. Yes, <laughs> vivid. And you, It is <laughs> one word. And so that, that was the thing that was meant to be blinky. So.
0: All right, just, well.
10: So I like the, the evil eye mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Um, as being the etymology, you know, I'm getting ready to go home, and so I can't wait to report on Blinky.
1: That's great, Yay. Sarah. Well, well, I'm glad you have one of those linguistic heirlooms and that you celebrate it with us.
0: Thanks for calling, Sarah. Bye-bye.
1: Well, what family language and lore do you talk about around the dinner table? Call us with it, 877-929-9673, or send it an email to words at waywardradio.org. Mm-hmm. Things have come to a pretty pass. That's all for today's broadcast, but don't wait till next week to chat with us. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, or SoundCloud.
0: Check out our website too at waywardradio.org where you'll find a dictionary, a newsletter, mobile apps, and a discussion forum. And you can listen to hundreds of past episodes for free.
1: You can also leave us a message anytime, day or night, at 877 929 9673. Share your family's stories about language or ask us to resolve language disputes at work home, or in school. You can also email us. That address is words at waywardradio.org.
0: Our senior producer is Stephanie Levine. The show is directed and edited this week by Tim Felton. We have production help from James Ramsey and Tamar Wittenberg. Away With Words is independently produced and distributed by Wayward, Inc., a nonprofit supported by listeners and organizations who believe in lifelong learning and better human communication.
1: The show is coming to you from the Recording Arts Center at Studio West in San Diego, California. Thanks for listening. I'm Martha Barnett.
0: And I'm Grant Barrett. Bye-bye. So long.
5: I
2: like tomato, potato, potato, tomato, tomato.
1: Let's call the whole thing off. But oh, if we call the whole thing off, then we must part. And oh, if we ever part, then that might break my heart. Pajamas and I like pajamas. I'll wear pajamas and give up pajamas for we know we need each other. So we better call the calling off. Let